My name is Buquan Holland, and I love coffee. About three years ago, my daughter asked me, why won't you go to a black-owned coffee shop? I said, I don't know any. She advised me of golden time. My name is Michael Wright, and along with my wife, Stephanie, we have put together what is called Golden Time Coffee and Cafe. It's a local place. It's a black-owned place. The food is good. The coffee is really good. The prices are reasonable. The service is good. I feel Golden Time is not just the name. It's a meeting place. It's community. It's, you know, it's, it's like Rondo. this documentary, Rondo's Golden Time, Cup of Love. That's because Golden Time is more than a coffee shop. For more than 20 years, it's been the heart of Rondo, St. Paul's legendary black neighborhood. Hey, he always adds this little flavor, you know, to everything. You know, that's the good thing about here, is what you're getting. It ain't what you're eating, it's what you're getting, which is the experience, the love, the, the heart. If there's something community-based, you got to meet somewhere, it's golden time. You know, that it's, just, it's just what it is. You know, it's, it's golden time is a representation of this community. You know, you have the, the, the young people in the community, then you have the elders, and it's a whole culmination of what this community is comes in and out of this place. Anything else, or is this separate together? It's together. Okay. Together. When I first walked into Golden Time Coffee and Cafe, I noticed the line was busy. It was a Saturday afternoon, and I was surprised to see that many people at a coffee shop. It was bright, it smelled good, as if the coffee is grabbing your nose. We've come here a few times. Yeah. Actually, we had our first date here. <laughs> I noticed the artwork not just on the walls, but on the shelves, even hanging from the ceiling. I could tell someone had put a lot of thought into making this place beautiful. I asked Michael Wright, the owner, mm -hmm. if I could hang out with him. So he allowed me to come behind the counter and I observed him preparing all kinds of coffee drinks. You got it. Everyone was there, young, old, male, female, families, couples, and what looked like business meetings. It seemed like everyone was having healthy conversations. No one was on their phone. Sausage and all the veggies? Yes, ma'am. And cheese? Yep, that'll be good. The breakfast menu was unique. I haven't heard anything like breakfast noodle, loaded hash browns, grits, dirty grits and all of their drinks were named after famous jazz musicians. Uh, my favorite drink is the Saravon. I like to get it with soy, um, but I also like the Billie Holiday, and I love those two singers, so I'm a little uh, biased. So. <laughs> it slowed down, and it seemed like Michael Wright had a special place, higher table and a higher chair, a lookout post, where if anyone came in, he will see them and he can greet them. He would jump up from the table and go behind the counter to help. Robin, whipped cream on the door? Oh, uh, they didn't say. 
Let me tell you about the sound of golden time. It is just as important as the coffee. The chatter of the people is what community sounds like. What's coming out of the speakers is Michael Wright's playlist. Bebop, R&B, jazz standards. Who was your biggest influencer as a child? He's gone now, but I, I, I would say um, my Uncle Jesse mm-hmm. Brazier, a musician. Anytime I go over to the house, he would be upstairs doing his, his scales on his sax or his clarinet. My cousin would be downstairs practicing his drums. And so, you know, having that influence really kind of prompted me to keep that in, in, my, in my soul. Michael Wright was born in 1958 in St. Paul, Minnesota. He was one of seven children. Those kids spent a lot of time at Halle Q. Brown Recreation Center. My name is Thomas Davison. I am the brother of Michael Wright. So when we grew up, we grew up in the old Halle Q. Brown Community Center that used to be on Kent in Aurora. And there were, there were mentors there that just, they taught you how to relate to people and relate to, they related to the kids, taught us how to play dominoes, taught us how to shoot pool, that sort of thing the older gentlemen did. But it gave you a certain moral value set that you could pass along to other generations. These are guys who kept you in line at the community center. Old Halle Q. Brown. Big Ed taught home economics, taught us how to cook, how to do different things dessert-wise. And then uh, if you got out of line, it was Big Walter. Big Walter was about six, seven. You didn't, you didn't want him to say nothing to you. You didn't want to get out of line. You had Mrs. and Mrs. Burns. They were, I would think how the young people look at me and Stephanie right now when they come in. You know, but they looked out for all the kids. You know, if you got online, you know, by the time you got home, they knew, the mom and dad knew. That was community. That was community. These are things that mold you. What sparked entrepreneurship in, in us brothers is that um, there was this gentleman named Leon who uh, gave myself, Thomas, and Charles an opportunity to earn money in a, in, in a legal way. That legal way was selling flowers in front of hospitals around town. He would park us with, you know, uh, a dozen five-gallon buckets full of roses. But again, you know, our, our parents didn't have money to give us, but we earned our own. That's what we call our jingle in our pocket. After high school, Michael moved out of state and became a roofer, but then he came back. He went to college, got a job at 3M, but decided not to make a career there. He wanted to be a graphic designer, and he found a job at an ad agency called Art Form Communications in Egan. It's the late 80s, Prince is hot. The Minneapolis sound is thriving. Prince and Michael's younger brother, Gilbert, opened a nightclub, Glam Slam, downtown Minneapolis. They asked Michael to take on the role of vice president of operations at Glam Slam. Michael Wright had married his childhood sweetheart, 
Stephanie, and he'd taken the job. I, I can't say enough about that opportunity, and I look at it indirectly that Prince is responsible for golden time. He took care of my brother, my brother took care of me, and here we are. As vice president of operations, Michael learned to handle all sorts of people, celebrities, athletes, high rollers, and highly intoxicated people. He learned how to conduct and run an operation. He learned how to run a business. You name it, he had to deal with it all. But by 2007, he had enough. My name is Boo Kwan Holland, and you're listening to Rondo's Golden Time Cup of Love. When we left off, Michael had left Glansland, and he was thinking, what are you going to do next? After that, I wanted to work for myself. I, I didn't want to work for anybody, yeah, you know, anybody else. I, I could have done another club or, or a small venue of some sort, but the liquor establishment, you know, changed the whole dynamics of business. And uh, the dram shop is very expensive. The, the liquor brings a, a different type of person out that not necessarily is a good thing. Michael took his time. He saved money. He did some gig work. He took an entrepreneur class. And after a while, he decided to go in with the coffee shop. I said, you know, if it doesn't work... I'm, I'm good at digging a ditch. The idea for Golden Time came bit by bit. I was going to call it uh, Coffee's Fine with Bread and Wine. That's too long. <laughs> and where did the name Golden Time come from? Oh, man, it's, a, it's not a very long story. You know, Michael I, I was sitting in his car around sunset at Lake Bidet Bacasca. You know, I settled back in my, in my seat and, uh, and turned on uh, some music and... Uh, a song came out by Beverly, uh, Frankie Beverly and Mays. It's your golden time of day. And I said, that's it. Golden time. That's where it came from. And the look? Michael could visualize it because of his experience as a designer. As for the location, Rondo, yes. Selby and Milton, not so much. I'll be honest with you. This spot, well, on the corner, our old spot, we're in a new spot now, was the last place I wanted to put Golden Time. It was a derelict of a community. It was hardcore. A lot of craziness, notorious area, you know, drugs, and just not the way, not where you want to put your business. But uh, the good Lord works in mysterious ways. And uh, us putting this business here was the best thing for this community. And I remember we had the whole front of the building off. And some of our young kids came by from the community here and said, hey, what y'all putting in there? And uh, we said, a coffee shop. And they laughed at us and said, ah, oh, it'll be closed in three months, you know. And they didn't know that they were fueling a quiet fire. Any, not one problem with our young folks from the community. Not one. This was a hangout where the kids congregated. So I wouldn't go out there, you know, and say, hey, y'all, get, you know, you're making too much noise and get my customers. Can. Nah, man, you come in the next day, your windows will be broke. So I gave them respect, and they've always gave me respect. It wasn't the most well-traveled area. So I had to think about 
what would make this more of a destination place? To make his coffee shop different, he decided to call his drinks after his favorite jazz musicians. I think I'm the first coffee shop to name its specialty drinks after jazz artists. So you can come in and order a Duke Ellington, a Billie Holiday, a Sarah Vaughn, or a Lena Horne. Duke Ellington is dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. Benny Goodman is our latte. All right? Yeah. The black and the white of it. And I think in this kind of environment, it's probably the only place we can get away with it, you know. But they paved the way for a lot of the music you hear nowadays. It's important to keep jazz alive. Golden Time Coffee and Cafe opened in 2000. The following year, 9-11 happened. 2002, we were coming up on a one-year anniversary of 9-11. Michael decided people needed a boost. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are ready for our next performer. The first Selby Avenue Jazz Fest took place in 2002. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the ever-wonderful and talented Johannes Tona Band. The Jazz Fest was a way to lift up the community and also help his new business. Started with one little stage, and we had two or three little uh, booths for kids and things. We did about four to 500 people through, the, through that day, the first time where I ever stepped out on that. I didn't think I was going to do it again. I did it as a test. And then the neighborhood people, owners of homes, started to, are you going to do that again? That's okay. We'll, we'll give it another go. And it grew from there. Being what I was exposed to at Glam Slam on bringing acts in, that's where the booking part of things came in. Doing jazz there, and then when I left there, you know, keeping that in my mind's eye to bring it forward here. The first people I reached out to were, were, were people who had you know, small restaurants or some eating place in the area, and they turned me down. And now there's a waiting list. I brought in more genres of jazz. I brought Latin jazz in. I brought African jazz. And that's when it just mushroomed. It just snowballed, if you will. And so I remember jumping from maybe a couple thousand people to five or six thousand, and then it just grew. To have people like Gerald Veasley, Kim Waters, Kirk Whalum, Gerald Albright, Linvel Jackson, here on a spot then the city kind of turned its back on. It's fabulous. Now it's in its 23rd year, and it happens on the second Saturday of September, rain or shine, featuring local and national talent. 
it became its own thing, but always tied to Golden Time. I want to excite the people positively through music. Mm -hmm. I don't want to incite the people negatively through music. Uh, yeah, very powerful piece, man. Uh, uh, check out the whole story behind Emmett Till and, and in 2019, Golden Time uh, moved into uh, a spacious new building across Selby. To, to go on. Michael uses the ample wall space to display Art by AHA. Capital A, capital H, capital H, capital A. Can you tell us what piece we're looking at right now? Right now we're looking at uh, Emmett Till, a uh, piece done by uh, Drew Hammond. AHA is a collective of African-American artists who want to get people, especially white people, to open up and talk about race. AHA stands for artistry, honesty, healing, and action. AHA is, uh, is, is, is art that's done for folks to understand culture, history, and really enlightens white folks on, on the things, the transgressions that black folks have gone through since we got here and why we continue to fight in order to make it better for us. Every piece was different. There was inkjet pieces. There were acrylic paintings. There were collages. This one here is called Melon Colony. It's a very colorful of greens, uh, different uh, hues of green, I should say, with a white band around it. At first glance, it looks like a cut open watermelon with a bunch of seeds in the middle. But when you get closer to it, the seeds were actually people, just stick figures, tiny people, chained together, holding on. It was the inside of a slave ship where you have all the slaves laying down. But what I love about this piece is that they're all holding hands or touching. And that's what we have to do in light of things that are going on is uh, unify and, and it's coming. Things have changed for the better, but we have a long way to go, especially with each other. I would like for you to talk about this beautiful chandelier that's made out of a drum set. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my drum chandelier. And, and actually, you know, I, I went to a, a place and, and, and picked up a, a nice, inexpensive drum set and took it to a place over in Northeast Minneapolis and had it fashioned to a chandelier. And they did, they did a fabulous job on that. Uh, people come in and take pictures of, and that's what we want to create, you know. So they'll tell the next person, you know, I saw this drum over at this place. Where was that at? So they'll make a trip over. The art pieces change here, so you get a little bit of flavor or taste from all different types of artists. Uh, and I can't pick one as my favorite, um, but they all hit home and mean something to you. You know, they all hit that root in, inside of you. Do you remember the, the exact date that you opened the doors to Golden Time? It was March 1st of 2000 was a, was the first day. And so this March we'll be celebrating 23 years in business as uh, we also uh, move to transition to retirement. <laughs> Yes, I am a Doubting Thomas, but uh, look at him. He's, still, he's been in this business for, what, 20 years now? And he's still smiling. 
<laughs> it gets tougher and tougher every year, but he always rises to the challenge. He'll, he'll be here for a little bit longer. He doesn't know it yet, but he's going to have to go out as an old jazz musician. He's going to be here till he's 92. <laughs> I tell you, I'm talking about you, my brother. <laughs> I will say it's going to be some huge shoes to fill. I usually don't say that, but I will say that because uh, you have to be an overachiever in this line of work. It's like a heavyweight fight, a long distance run, or one hell of a roller coaster ride. Take your pick. That's, you know, that's how I look at it. Now that you're getting closer to retirement, have you picked a date? And have you made a concrete decision? This is what you want to do. It is what we want to do. Well, no date, um, because we're still working through things, and and you know we still have a lot of negotiation to go on. You have to come strong, or don't come at all. You have to come right, because it's got to remain golden time. My name is Boo Quan Holland, and you're listening to Rondo's Golden Time Cup of Love, the story of a beloved coffee shop at the heart of the Rondo community. The energy that this space has provided to the community has been so foundational that everybody knows this place. That type of love is something I feel like we've needed over the years. So um, from the Jazz Fest to even just like an average Tuesday, uh, they have us covered. And so I would like to say thank you for, for continuing to provide that to the community. So I started hanging out at Golden Time Coffee and Cafe a little more. A few weeks ago, I heard some news. Good morning. Since Good morning. our last interview, okay, um, have you and your wife decided on the future of Golden Time? Well, yes, we have. We have decided to sell Golden Time. By September 2023, Rondo Community Land Trust will be the new owners of Golden Time Coffee and Cafe. RCLT is a 30-year-old nonprofit dedicated to building wealth in the community. Uh, they're a good group of people. Um, they have uh, ambitious ideas, and, but they have their energy to back it up, the vision to back it up as well. Michael said he wasn't expecting that offer. You know, we were taken aback by it. I was looking to put it out there, find a broker, but it, it fit. It felt right. We had to negotiate and we, you know, we had to go back and forth a few times, but through that, it wasn't anything personal, it's just all business. Um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't think of a better group of people. The new Golden Town will be employee owned. That was part of Michael's vision. We have a great following, and all they need to do is build upon that following. But there's room for enhancement. There's, there's a lot of room to raise a bar on it. If this one here is the model that they want to see, we could take this to other parts of the Twin Cities, other, other regions. You know, I, I, years ago, I had people from you know, all over the country who say, I wish we had this. I mean, from New York to L.A. To, I'm saying, you're kidding. You, I mean, you're talking about L.A. You're talking about New York. But we don't have nothing like this. How is the neighborhood different 
and Rondo compared to when you first opened 23 years ago? Honestly, it's night and day difference. Um, we came in a time where, unfortunately, there were you know a lot of folks not doing things that were conducive for the community. As, as we put golden time at Selby at Milton, other folks, other black businesses also came in. And when you have strong people uh, that care about their community, they're from the community, they want the money to circulate you know, in the community as many times as possible before it heads out. We've come a long way. There's a few more things that we want to see happen in the community, and, and it's happening uh, slowly but surely uh, to more galvanize and make this more of a destination place than it's ever been. Yes. I know that this is a cliche question, but what would you like to tell young Michael Wright? Hmm. I'm proud of him. It's not just one thing, you know, coming back to my community. I never really left my community. I just worked in a different part of, of, of the city. But coming back and, and uh, putting something like Golden Time together where, you know, our people said, you know, it, it won't last. And here we are 23 plus years later to be part of development where nothing had been done in this space for 25 years and the larger development down the street at Victoria in Selby for close to 45 years. Golden Time is still part that vehicle that uh, continues to impact our folks in a very positive way by you know, allowing them hopefully to close that wealth gap by coming in as owners. Michael said he and his wife, Stephanie, are looking forward to their retirement. Maybe we're at the age now where we're going to pick and choose how we want to work and where, you know, how hard we want to work because we have put a lot of hard work into building Golden Time, the Jazz Fest, making it that uh, music corridor, if you will, uh, with all the other black businesses in, in the area. They plan to spend their winter somewhere else and pursue new passions, like Michael is hoping to learn physical therapy. Will you continue to organize the Jazz Fest? I think there's going to be a transition that's needed. If I hand it over, just, okay, I'm done, it won't happen. It, it won't have that feel. So those who may think they want to take it over and, and they got to do it like I do it. After September of 2023, you may not see them at Golden Time on a daily anymore, but for sure, you'll feel their presence for many years to come. Rondo's Golden Time Cup of Love is a co-production of Camo J and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.